All right, everyone. Welcome in to week 17, episode 17 of the Insta Review podcast. It is June, uh, January 4th, 2022. We have made it to the new year, the first Insta Review podcast of the brand new year. We certainly hope you've all had a happy new year, a great New Year's weekend. And now it's time to talk about the penultimate weekend of NFL football as we get ready for week 18, the first ever week 18 of NFL football as we are ready to determine the playoff field. The 14 teams that will be fighting to get to Los Angeles to play for the Lombardi Trophy. I'm your host, Nicholas Hill, joined by Leon Terrion, Connor Kennedy, and we will have a special guest here in just a couple of minutes. But Leon, Connor, how are y'all doing here in the brand new year of 2022? It's a good team win for the Bills on Sunday. Uh, things are going to get really weird this next week for the playoffs. Uh, I'm really excited to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I didn't even uh, bother watching the Giants game at all. I know they had over 100 yards on the ground rushing, but wow, what a struggle of the passing game. Really disappointing. Yeah, I actually attended my first ever NFL game this past Sunday. I've never been to one until Sunday. Um, went to the Dolphins versus the Titans, and obviously saw the Titans dominate a Miami Dolphins team that was on a seven-game winning streak. Uh, 34-3, to three, it was very cold, was sleeting throughout the parts of the game, which is kind of rare in Tennessee. You know, we don't get a ton of winter weather down here, but we got it on Sunday, which is odd because it was 80 degrees the day before, and we had tornado warnings the day before. But, you know, hey, the weather changes super quickly down here in the south, and uh, but what doesn't change is the consistency and the tenacity of the Tennessee Titans as thanks to the Cincinnati Bengals win over the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tennessee Titans are one win away from taking the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, obviously, nothing's a guarantee. Of course, the Titans lost to the Texans a couple weeks ago. But the fact that they're even in this scenario, considering they've played over 90 players this year due to all kinds of injuries and COVID situations, uh, just, an ins- just an incredible accomplishment for the Titans to be in this position, and we'll see if they're able to pull it off. Uh, while we're waiting on our guest here, I'm trying to going to pull up a – kind of a picture here that's really interesting in terms of in terms of some of the the craziness of this past week and let's see so i'm gonna sure because there's a lot a lot that occurred yeah, I mean, I've never seen like this many storylines in week 17, and this photo isn't just limited to those storylines. Even after what Bleacher Report Gridiron did share on Instagram, there's still more. Yeah, yeah. I'll try to see if we can. There we go. All right. So, from Gridiron, uh, or Gridiron, we have so many different storylines here. So, we have Antonio Brown runs off the field. Joe Burrow beats Mahomes. Jamar Chase goes for 11, 266, and three touchdowns. The Bengals win the AFC North. Mark Andrews sets the Baltimore receiving record. Uh, Odell scores his fifth touchdown with the Rams. Uh, we had a couple of Eagles fans fall into the Philadelphia FedEx field on Jalen Hurts. Um, both the Patriots and the Seahawks scored 50, had 50 burgers, as Big Cat would say. Tom Brady led a game-winning drive in the Meadowlands 
while his, one of his main wide receivers, Antonio Brown, has a meltdown and gets cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Russell Wilson threw four touchdowns in the game that probably no one outside of Lions or Seahawks fans watched. Uh, Trey Lance got his first win against the Texans, and the Broncos, the Browns, and the Dolphins were all eliminated. So just looking at all of these um, – I'm going to actually let in our guest here real quick. And oh, Andrew. Hey, what's, what's going good, on? my man? How are you doing? Great. How are you? Doing well. You're welcome to the Instagram. You're actually the first guest we've had here on hey. the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, Connor, it's nice to see you not in my alter element. I don't, oh, I don't know if yeah. I told you guys how I met him, but uh, it was at a Monday night game, the Monday night game, most recent one. And I. I had fun. I'll put it like that. So, <laughs> so when I met him, I was like, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was hilarious, man. But yeah, uh, definitely a terrible game for us. But at least we won at tailgating as per usual. So, of course, of course. You know. uh, for those who don't know, our guest, uh, his name's Andrew. He's one half of the Wandering Buffalo co- podcast. I've been listening to, to it for a while. Um, some really good content that he makes uh, over there. And also some good off-season content. He really dive. He's really uh, dove deep into uh, some Buffalo Bills lore, some of the playoff drought stuff, which uh, we all hate to talk about. But mm-hmm. you know, some some entertaining content. I think insightful as well. Uh, definitely better than some of the stuff I hear on WGR. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so anyways, let's get right into it. Uh, the Bills just beat the the Atlanta Falcons at home this past Sunday. Um, it was a really weird game, uh, perhaps overshadowed by a lot of the other craziness going on in the league this this week for sure. Um, but definitely an interesting game, um, both offensively and defensively. I mean, the defense really showed up, especially that pass rush, that Greg Rousseau strip sack, Harrison Phillips fumble recovery. And then offensively, the run game really showed up. Uh, I haven't seen the run game be this good since the 2019 season, honestly. Um, Josh Allen didn't... Mm, three interceptions but his his run game was pretty good so at the end of the day it didn't really matter what were your key takeaways from this matchup if any me yeah all right well first of all thank again thanks for having me on in that uh awesome intro <laughs> you you guys are doing great work over there and i i always kind of keep going through your instagram and i love the design and the marketing style that you guys are doing so keep up the good work seriously it's it's coming out super clean appreciate um, it dude yeah and kind of bringing it back to that bills win over the falcons my main takeaway is that in in the past right some buffalo bills teams and you mentioned the playoff drought that 17 years and that feeling of inevitable mediocrity to yeah. put it lightly and I, i'm not gonna lie during this game when the falcons were leaving leading 15 to 14 and a half that kind of crept up on me i was like oh no it's happening again is this gonna be jacksonville 2.0 is maddie ice gonna you know bring the haymaker down on us that would be terrible but uh we we all know that it didn't work he taunted himself out of the victory basically <laughs> yeah. um but my takeaway was that, and this might have been the most important one, at least for me, is that the Bills were able to 
I guess, take that momentum that was lost. Right. And really just, just strip it back away from the Falcons. And outside of those three drives that, you know, ended in interceptions, I'm pretty sure the Bills scored on score touchdowns in every single drive after that. Like every time that the Bills offense was on the field outside of those three interceptions, the Bills were able to put points on the board in touchdowns. You know, we didn't punt. Matt Hawk, super inconsistent putter. We kept him on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> we put touchdowns on the board instead. They were like, yeah, you know, you're kind of iffy for us right now. So why don't you just sit over there? We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll do our thing on, on the field. And it worked. So I really love the fact that Josh Allen, the passer, wasn't doing so hot, which is such a weird thing, you know, because I yeah. thought we were past this kind of game from him. But, you know, something like this might happen. But uh, I, I liked how Brian Dable was able to drive into the skid and say, well, if that's not working, the rush offense has got to be the answer. And the Falcons knew it was coming, but they couldn't do anything to stop it. It was almost like how the Bills knew the Patriots are going to run the football on them on Monday night, but the Bills really didn't have any super strong answers or when they played against the Colts, they didn't have enough answers for it. And it's kind of nice being on the other side of that, knowing that we're going to run the ball at you, but you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Definitely. So. And I think it was, that part of the game was especially encouraging as a Bills fan, considering how McDermott's been trying to like beef up that run game. Mm -hmm. um, and really establish the run this past season. Um, it hasn't worked too well. I mean, like as we saw um, on that Monday night game, I mean, they tried to like run it up the gut with Zach Moss, like how many times? And it ended Oof. up like never working out. Like that was some Dick Duron level play calling, man. But, um, you know, it, it worked out for us uh, this past Sunday. I mean, part of that, I, I could also attest to the Atlanta Falcons run defense not being that great. But I, I think this is probably the best game Devin Singletary's arguably played in his entire career. I mean, 100 mm -hmm. yards and two tuds. Like, hopefully that's some really good momentum that we can carry on to the playoffs. Um, and obviously we are playing the New York Jets uh, this Sunday afternoon. Oh, hey, what's up, Oscar? Just want to give a shout out to our, our co-host, Oscar. Uh, he's battling COVID right now, so sadly he can't co-host with us but we appreciate the support always oscar and we can't wait to have you back next week yeah i can't um, wait to see you again buddy feel better oscar yeah get better dude oh yeah um anyways moving on we are playing the new york jets uh this next sunday afternoon uh as i said earlier um i don't feel like there's too much to say about it um we could blow it just like that jaguars game but i i think the state of the team that we're at right now. I think we're pretty healthy. Um, but it will be interesting to see how Zach Wilson fares uh, against this Bill secondary and pass rush. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I kind of want to move on to the opponents that we'll face in the playoffs. Um, we'll probably be able to win the AFC East. Um, and there's a, a lot of interesting teams uh that are coming up in the afc playoffs i mean the Bengals. i did not expect them to be in the playoffs whatsoever at the beginning of the season i don't think any of us did mm -hmm. um but they just locked up the afc north obviously the titans are on a roll right now somehow winning without derrick henry and they're gonna bring him back um you know within the playoffs unless they lose out in the the first round but then again they could lock up the one seed uh and thank you to nick hill for bringing up this nice 
uh, webpage detailing all the playoff teams in the AFC. Uh, the Chiefs just locked up the AFC West. Uh, they're on a run right now. Obviously, the loss playing the Bengals, but I, I feel like they're a bit different than they were uh, within the first month of the regular season. The Colts are on a run also. They could lose to the Jags and end up losing all of uh, – not clinching a playoff berth, uh, which is not outside the realm of possibility as Bills fan, no. Um, I, I think – uh, this playoff matchup is going to be interesting because I feel that the Bills and Patriots rivalry is the next biggest rivalry in the NFL, right? So if the Bills have home field advantage, I think this game would definitely be decided by a field goal or a touchdown. I see this being a close one because you have one of the best coaches of all time with the rookie quarterback and him bringing that level of expertise into the game. But you also have Josh Allen who has playoff experience, but at the same time, this Bills team doesn't look as strong as it did last season. And with the performance against the Falcons, it could only worry you against the Patriots. What do you guys think? Yeah, you know, anytime you have a division rematch in the playoffs, um, it's always interesting, right? And when you have this possibility of seeing potentially Chargers, Chiefs, or we got to remember too, you know, the Raiders, if they beat the Chiefs, they would get that spot. So you could have Raiders, Chiefs for a third time. Um, you know, and there's a possibility that you could see a matchup like Colts-Titans again at some point. They say it's really hard to beat a team three times. Uh, so, like, the Chiefs, you know, they swept the Chargers, the Titans swept the Colts. You know, the Bills and Patriots split. Obviously, I think a lot of things factor into a third game. You know, obviously, your experience level in the playoffs, your maturity. Um, so, like, I'm thinking about, like, a Patriots-Bills here. I think you got to mix back, right? Because obviously Josh Allen's going to be the more experienced playoff quarterback. You know, he went to the AFC title game last year. He's played in a couple of playoff games now and knows what that's like. Mac Jones has never played in the playoff game. He's not an NFL one. He's playing a college one. But he does have Bill Belichick. And you got to wonder, you know, and, you gotta, and you'll know that, like, he's going to ha- try to have him as sell down as possible for that matchup. Uh, obviously the Chiefs, you know, they've made two straight Super Bowls versus a Chargers team. Or like you think Justin Herbert, he's never played in the playoffs before. So how is he going to show up potentially if he can get past the Raiders, who they haven't made the playoffs now in a couple of years themselves. So either one of those teams would lack in the playoff experience. And really even this week, you know, when it comes to the Titans, right, even though they've made it down to their third straight playoffs, they have their second straight division win. I'm really curious to see what their focus is like heading into Houston, because I know they got beat by Houston. The first time around. So I think they're not going to take this team lightly because of that. But I, I'm just hoping they don't get caught up in the moment too much and allow the Texans to come and surprise them. Because the Texans have been playing a lot better than I thought they would. Um, I mean, they're not good, but, you know, they're competitive. You know, they upset the Chargers two weeks ago. They didn't necessarily get round the stand by San Francisco. Um, so I just... It's going to be a really interesting end here in the AFC. And right now, like just looking at these matchups, like I would favor the Chiefs or the Chargers. That Colts Bengals game to me is kind of a toss up because I know even though the Bengals are on fire right now, again, Joe Burrow never played in the NFL playoffs. How much do you trust him against Carson Wentz, you know, who himself has also never played in the playoffs? So um, it's going to be a really fun postseason. Yeah, you, you you definitely you guys have unpacked some real good thoughts here, and I'm gonna take my 
Bill's goggles off here, which is hard for me to do. So <laughs> if I say something Billsy like, please forgive me. <laughs> um, but if the playoffs were to start today, you know, the Titans would be the number one seed. That's uh, that's great for you, Nick. I can see your your uh, Titans. You're a Titans fan. So that's that's good. Uh, but if it comes to the Chiefs and Chargers and you mentioned it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. And I want to echo that point is that it's so hard to win in the NFL. And I, I can't remember who I heard this from, but, you know, your division rivals and this seems this sounds super obvious, but, you know, your division rivals the best. And those tend to be the hardest games. And I was asked recently, like, hey, if the Bills split, this was before the Monday night game, how confident are you that if we saw them again in the playoffs that we would be able to beat them if we split? And I said it was a coin flip because if we did split, it would show that that um, obviously the Patriots have our number and we have their number and we know how to get around those players. So if, if I'm just looking at the chargers at the chiefs, I think there's a good chance that the chargers could put something together. I'm pretty sure in that second matchup, they had their number all the way up until Travis Kels just decided to just rip the game in half and just go on it like a crazy, crazy um, scoring barrage because I played against him in fantasy and it did not go well. <laughs> um, I'm still in the championship. The Chargers, so. the Chargers went for it like three times in that game and didn't get yeah. it any time. Yeah. So, I mean, things got to go back to the mean, right? You go for it that many times, like eventually you got to make one of them. So the fact that they got zero of those, just, uh, that's just bad luck. <laughs> um, when it comes to the Colts and Bengals, that's interesting. I, I really don't know where to kind of sort my thoughts on that because I really like what the Bengals and are doing this season. And to Connor's point, like nobody saw that coming. And if yeah. you did, I, you know, I tip my beanie to you because <laughs> I just didn't think that was going to happen that fast. The Colts, obviously it goes through Jonathan Taylor. If you can find a way to stop the running game and make Carson Wentz throw the ball, then that's your best bet. And we saw that the Bills implored that kind of technique against them, but they couldn't stop the run. So Jonathan Taylor just, you know, th put like three or four TDs on the board against us. No big deal. Whatever. And then um, the Patriots and then the Bills, I already mentioned, this is this would be the third matchup against them. Kind of a coin flip to me. And uh, if I'm putting my Bills goggles back on here, I... I kind of wish we were going to Gillette to play this game because I feel like Josh Allen just plays well under in like behind enemy lines if that makes any sense whatsoever he always delivers in those kind of games at least from you know a thirty thousand. uh yeah i'll say this as a neutral as a fan as someone who's not a bills fan the, his performance recently at the patriots on but the day after christmas was the most impressed i've ever been with him like i mm -hmm. that was the most poised he had looked to me um just the way he continued to move the ball down the field the way he kept his offense going despite all the, you know, the answers that the Patriots had with Damian Harris, um, you know, that was just the, that was easily the most impressed I've been with Josh Allen after a performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, not to over compliment Josh on that performance as a Bills fan, but like, yeah, that that's probably, that might be the best performance I've seen of Josh Allen, as Nick was saying, 
Um, I mean, I think the pass protection definitely helped quite a bit. That was probably the best performance that I had seen from our offensive line mm-hmm. that whole season, honestly. But like, even when they'd falter and there'd be like free rushers, like right at Josh Allen's head, and like he was able to kind of maneuver himself around and either like make a play on his feet or just throw the ball like straight to Diggs or Knox. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like he's our generation's answer to Elway. If if he can put everything together, have a good game, at least mentally. Um, we we didn't see that, you know, this past Sunday. But of course, he can make plays on his feet, like I said earlier. So that didn't really matter too much. But going back to this Bills Patriots matchup, um, I definitely would rather see us play in Gillette um, than at Highmark Stadium. Uh, I think the weather like really really impacted Bill Belichick's game plan quite a bit. Obviously it made it made more of a focus on running the ball. Um, that's not necessarily the Bill's strong suit. Uh, meanwhile, the Patriots always have like at least a solid run game to support their offense. Um, and one of the Bill's weaknesses this season is their run defense. So that hurt us quite a bit. Um, and we even saw that within their second matchup. I mean, of course, um, they trusted Mac Jones a bit more because the weather was better. Um, that ended up biting them in the ass. Meanwhile, Damian Harris still ended up running for like over 100 yards and I think like two or three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I am a bit worried about um, considering the Bills' playoff chances and their chance to hopefully make some progress on last season. Um, so that so – that- that, no, is, that is a big worry that I have. Um, do you have any kind of second thoughts about the Bills going into these playoffs, Andrew, and their chances, any weaknesses that you see on this roster, any certain aspects of them? Well, um, yeah, I definitely do, but I think Leon was about to jump in with a comment, so oh. if you, you want to go in there real quick before I go on my tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad, Leon. I think for this game, I've brought this up before. I think if the Patriots are going to make it far in the playoffs, Jones is going to have to start throwing for some serious yards. I don't think he could get bailed out by the 150 yards passing, 200, 250 yards passing. He's going to have to throw for some serious yardage if they want to make it deep in the playoffs because I could think that the Bills would probably blitz more. That's what I'm predicting for this playoff matchup, that they're going to send the house more on defense to try to stop the run to force him to challenge the secondary. But to be honest, I don't seem I don't seem that optimistic for the Bills' chances to win against the Patriots because it sounds kind of bold, but I think the Patriots are Colts right now, I would see in the Super Bowl. I don't even see the Chiefs making the Super Bowl, to be honest, because they don't seem as strong this year. But Mac Jones is gonna have to play even better than he does in the regular season if they want to win. Go ahead, Andrew. Right. Uh, what what was the original question again, Connor? Sorry, I'm, I'm blanking out. Oh, you're all good. Um, do you like? Is there any weaknesses uh, about this Bills team that you're personally worried about going into the playoffs? Ah, there it is. Weaknesses. <laughs> so I earlier today I report recorded my podcast uh, for the preview game against the Jets, and I have actually the whole team stats right in front of me right now. So I have that benefit. And I'll just kind of run through these stats and you guys can kind of give your reaction. But the the obvious weakness of this team will show its ugly head right now. <laughs> so in terms of offense, the Bills have the fifth 
total offense going into week 18. They're 10th passing offense, uh, 6th rushing offense, which is kind of crazy to think about if you're if you follow the Bills because you're just like the Bills running the ball, they're 6th. Like that just doesn't sound right, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't we can't we can't even figure out if we want Devin Singletary or running back on running back by committee you take josh allen out there because he's the leading rusher for most of the times and uh i i guess that kind of when all that stuff kind of comes together you get six total rushing offense so that that was a that was a little interesting to me so i'll put an asterisk next to that <laughs> um as a strength and then the defense we all know overall number one passing number one defense against the rush 19th that is it, that's been the Achilles heel, right? We saw that get exposed a couple of times and throughout this year, again, against the Colts, Damian Harris, like torched us in that Monday night game. And to your point, Connor, he also did it again. The second time we played the Patriots, he had two touchdowns on the ground, went over a hundred yards. Like I wouldn't say that's a good job containing the run game because that just seems to be a reoccurring theme for this Buffalo bills defense. Uh, defensive uh, issues and then what comes to special teams this is pretty interesting because I, I i i pulled some stats with with punting the bills are 25th in the league when it comes to punting mm-hmm. the football which is really bad yeah like really 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 bad in my opinion which is like oh god i kind of wish we had boho back or you know some of my oh, yeah. some thoughts in my head like where's boho right now well he's actually 11th in the league right now for punting. So a trade off of 14 spots, right? But we brought Boho in to, you know, or we kicked Boho out and brought Mac Hawk in to hold the football. And the Bills right now are 13th in kicking and Green Bay is 21st. So a trade off of 14 spots for punting, but eight spots up the board for kicking. I say all this that the Bills' real weak spots. Again, our rushing defense, and if you can force punts, just send a ton of pressure at Matt Hawk. At least that's that's my personal view because this guy is so slow when he kicks a field goal, or when he I'm, just, I'm sorry when he when he punts the ball. I yeah. I kind of get heart palpitations watching. It. I'm just like just get it off, dude. Like do something, <laughs> and it, it's just so slow. So I think the field position game is going to be big if you're going against the bills especially if you can force them uh to punt the ball and again if you got a stud at the running back position or if you have a josh allen you know or a mobile quarterback that that's the way to do it yeah i mean that that was definitely on full display in week one where he shanked that punt and that ended up costing us the game against mm-hmm. the steelers um and of course he's like shanked some here and there um i was I was really excited in the offseason to see like some of his trick plays that he did in Miami. I, mm-hmm. I was hoping that they'd pull some of those out. Obviously, we haven't seen those. Um, but hey, at least we have a better holder. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our run defense is definitely very suspect, of course. Um, you know, last season, I think we were ranked like middle of the pack in terms of total defense. But I, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, Star Lele is coming back. So our run defense could be upholstered by his performance. Um, he hasn't really shown up much, whether he is on the field or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at least uh, Harrison Phillips has um, shown some juice 
these past couple weeks, uh, especially within that Falcons game. You know, he's probably one of the best tacklers, pure tacklers on our team, at least on the defensive line. Um, Ed Oliver's shown some strides too, um, but that's mostly on the pass rushing side of things. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely worried about the run defense um, as well as the ways that they implement the run game. Of course, against some suspect defenses, I felt like we've been able to pull some really good performances out. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I still have a lot of questions regarding it, especially considering the Patriots defense you know, a great defensive line. Uh, they got Matt Judon on a linebacker. They got Christian Barmore out of Alabama, D-tackle. They've been playing really well this season. Um, of course, the Colts also. I feel like they're the best all-around team in the league. Um, but just going off some of the other team strengths, are there any teams in this league in the AFC that you guys would be worried about um, in the Bills' perspective that you think that they probably wouldn't match up that well against if the titans have derrick henry then it's a mismatch for most teams in the playoffs yeah yeah but are they able to go all the way because i think the bills are a solid team i did pick josh allen to be my preseason pick to be mvp this year of course that's not happening but he's still solid but the titans did go to the conference championship a couple of years back in Tannehill's first season so how could he apply that in the playoffs, even though last year was disappointing against the Ravens? I still think that if you have Derrick Henry on your team, the Bills will just have to, like you said, they can't keep punting the ball. They're just going to have to keep converting and converting and going for it on fourth down. So that that's who I would be a little worried over and over the Colts since they had that big win against them. But if it was Bills Chiefs somehow, I would take the Bills over them any day of the week because I just don't. I just don't trust the Chiefs this year. Something just seems off. It's they're not as they're not the powerhouse that felt like they were in the past two seasons. Yeah, I would say the same too. That I think the Colts and the Titans, but obviously, I've just just taken off like my Homer glasses. You know, the Bills Titans was an even very even game that went back and forth throughout the entire night, and the and the Bills were forked down away from really having a shot of winning that game there at the end. So. Um, I, if the two met again in Nashville, I would expect it to go down to the wire once again. I do think if the Colts went to the Bills, I don't think the Colts would blow the Bills out again. I think that was an anomalous performance. I think that would be a very tight game. And just looking at the remainder of the playoff picture here, I I, I would I would still take the Chiefs, considering that the Chiefs would be hosting an Arrowhead more than likely. Um I think it'd be clo- a lot closer than last year's AFC title game because, as you said, Leon, I don't think the Chiefs are anywhere near as good. Um, obviously, their defense has been up and down throughout the year. But, I mean, they've been a lot better in this second half. And but, but, you know, the other day they got totally blown up by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Um, they couldn't do anything to stop that connection. And, you know, speaking of the Bengals, you know, the Bills-Bengals right now would be a really interesting matchup because right now the Bengals would host that. Um, I think I would pick the Bills just because I would trust them more because you don't know, as I said earlier, what the Bengals bring in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, it would be an interesting game. And uh, obviously, as we saw, you know, if the if the if the Patriots and Bills have a really bad weather game in Western New York, which is very possible in January, um, you know, What's stopping Bill Belichick from rolling out the we're only going to pass a two-time strategy again 
and try to beat the Bills again like that. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that again because even with that strategy, the Bills had numerous opportunities to win that football game. They just weren't able to convert inside the red zone. So I, I think if they played that game again, I think the Bills would come out on top. And it's clear to me the Bills are the better team this year. It's just in that particular game, the Patriots executed their game plan perfectly where the Bills weren't able to execute perfectly. I think you said it very well there, Nick. The Patriots executed, and the Bills didn't. They shot themselves in the foot so many times because I'm pretty sure they were in the red zone four times during that game, and that had a really good starting average throughout that entirety of the game. And at the end of the day, you know, Sean McDermott is unfamously, I should say, uh, if that's not that's not even a word. But, you know, he's well known for in the Patriots community uh, at this season for saying, let's not make this more of a Bill Belichick thing than it really is. And, at you know, that if I take my goggles off again, like that's not what you want to say. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like that just doesn't come off that great. But you know, putting them back on, I understand where he's coming from because he uh, he flushed out his thoughts saying like we were in the red zone like four times and they were only in there twice. And, you know, you tell me that before the game, I'm feeling pretty good about my chances. And he's right. But as we know, they the Bills just didn't execute. Things weren't going the way that they should. And when they, you know, when they found out like, hey, oh, Josh Allen can throw in this weather. Yeah, it was a little too, a little too late, and uh, it, it is what it is. And then we had to wait two weeks before we played them again in Foxborough. But who would I not want to face in, and I being the Buffalo Bills, not want to face against uh, in the playoffs? It's probably going to be the Colts. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I pulled up some quick stats here, mainly against the Patriots. But I just did some quick. Um, stat pulling for our my the Bills weakness which would be their 19th rushing defense the Colts are number two behind the Eagles so to me that's just a huge red flag and I know that that team has had success with us in the past and even in the last year's playoffs so I'm kind of like I'm kind of waiting I'm holding um, my breath here saying like I just don't want to face them i just honestly think the colts are a bad matchup against the bills and that's okay that doesn't mean that the bills are bad it's just you know some team strengths are your weaknesses and that's just how the dice roll if and when it comes to the patriots i I just pulled up some other stats real quick they have the eighth rushing offense so that's not necessarily a that much better of a matchup they have the 14th passing offense so that's pretty good i guess and then with the pass defense, they're fourth, but they're 22nd against the rush. The Bills right now, again, asterisks, sixth rushing offense against the 22nd rush defense. Statistically, that sounds great. That sounds real good to me. So if if I had to pick between those two, obviously I picked the Patriots. Um, I just like that Bill Belichick, you know, let's get them a third time kind of matchup. Um, but I'll, I'll end with, end with this because I know I'm hogging the mic, so I apologize, is that all teams in the playoffs, and even if you're in the hunt in week 17, week 18, you're good. You're, you're, you're 
not a bad team. You're probably not picking in the top 10, 15. Like you have some established, established like continuity within your team. Your coaching or your coaching has to be halfway decent if you're in that conversation all the way up into the last week of the regular season. So none of these matchups that the Bills or for any team is going to be super favorable. So yes, some are going to be better than others, but no win. I mean, no matchup really should just be a, a cakewalk, at least in my opinion. And any, I hate saying this because it's, it's true, but I, I just don't like saying it. any given Sunday, right? Any given Sunday, your team could get got, or you can go out there and get a win. And I, I think that kind of holds true. You know, any, I think any team can beat any other team. And unless yeah, you're yeah. Mike Glennon, but uh, yeah. yeah, 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 definitely not. <laughs> well, he, the giant, the, the, the giants are, are definitely picking at the top 10 probably. <laughs> yeah. They could start Jake from week 18. No, he is starting. Oh, he is. Glennon had a season ending wrist surgery on his non-throwing arm. So, you know, it's always nice to hear about other people on the podcast talk about their teams, you know, the Titans and the bills. And I'm just sitting here thinking, could we even score two touchdowns in one game? Maybe one. It is just what a tough season it has been, really. And they want yeah. to keep the two Judge, Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like I was walking into the gym earlier, and I kind of pulled up my phone. I saw one of my other friends is a Giants fan, and he had posted a stat from CBS, and like points, total points, total yards, and a couple of other offensive stats. They're dead last since the beginning of the Joe Judge era last year. Uh, just in every category, like something like 16 points a game, like 250 yards per game. I mean, just abysmal, like worse than the Jets, worse than the Jaguars. I mean, I, I just, I don't even know how anyone's living watching that team. That just sounds abysmal beyond like torture to watch. Yeah. I was watching the uh, Bucks and Jets game instead. And, uh, you know, even besides what happened with Antonio Brown, it's still concerning when the Bucks have to make a comeback against the Jets. You don't have Godwin. You don't have AB for the playoffs. Your defense is going to be more focused on a big target like Mike Evans, uh, Gronkowski. So I don't see them making the Super Bowl after. Uh, I'm not sure if Brown's been cut yet. I know they still. Oh, he's been cut. And actually, oh, I'm going to ask Andrew. Well, they, they still have some sort of legal rights to his contract. So I'm still sticking with Green Bay all the way in the NFC. AFC is going to be definitely more interesting to watch come playoff time. Yeah, I kind of want to ask Andrew this while we still have you because we haven't talked to any about the NFC because AFC is probably mm-hmm. – obviously we're all AFC fans, being Bills, Titans. But you know, what's your thoughts on the NFC? Because I do think, there's, to me at least, it's a three-horse t- race. It's the – it's either going to be the Packers, the Bucks, or the Rams. I think one of those three will win it. I don't see anyone else who makes those playoffs advance to the Super Bowl. I don't believe in the Cowboys, as we saw on Sunday. You just can't trust them in big games down the stretch. Um, so what are your thoughts on the NFC, and who do you think is going to ultimately pull it out? Right. So before I get into that, I just want to say – I just want to talk about the Antonio Brown thing real quick. You know – Vontae Davis left at halftime against the Chargers. I was at that game, and I remember just thinking to myself when they announced, when I saw it on my phone, I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Well, at least Josh, this is Josh Allen's first start, so that was pretty cool. Um, so, but at least he had the courtesy 
to like leave at halftime and not make a scene of it. I'm fully okay with putting that Vontae Davis thing behind me because yeah. at least he didn't Antonio Brown it and throw his stuff in the crowd. And like while the NFL game was happening, Antonio Brown was just jumping in the end zone, like flapping his hands up, doing some jumping jacks. Like, like it, it was just weird, man. Like I, they like that. That is, that is bad. That is a bad look for your yeah. team. <laughs> and on top of that, he like dropped a rap song, like the night of like nothing oh, happened. It was so unlistenable. Like that song was terrible. Has any Antonio, Antonio Brown? Brown song uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, I, I think in all serious, actually, a lot of the comments on a lot of the social media platforms with all the nuisance surrounding Antonio Brown, a lot of uh, people think that he's still dealing with CTE after that big hit he took from Vontez Perfect whenever he was in Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. we're, we're wishing the best for him. I don't, think he, I don't think he plays again in the NFL, to be honest. But somehow I think – because I saw the Bucks still haven't officially cut him, even though Bruce Arians said he's not a Buck anymore. So they sort of still have legal rights to his contract, but I don't see them bringing him back for any sort of Super Bowl run because he gets this second chance with Brady and uh, this happened. Mm-hmm. So just hoping the best moving forward for him. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. I, I Obviously, these are people at the end of the day with ordinary – well maybe not not so ordinary yeah. lives like compared to us but these are people they have feelings they you know live day to day much like you and I they just have access to more resources and stuff mainly funds and i you know obviously we wish the best i never want to see someone's like health decline i i've been around people who literally scream at TVs and go like break his leg I hate this team so much and just get so angry. And I just think yeah. to myself, like, I can't sign up for that, man. Like I I'm watching a literally 11 grown grown men wear tights, throw <laughs> a pigskin around. Like, yeah. yeah, that's cool. And all but at the end of the day, I can't control any of anything that happens mm-hmm. there. And I'm, you got to accept the outcome, whatever it may be, because yeah. you're not doing anything to improve the game. And all you can really wish is that people just stay healthy and regardless of the uniform, because if you really wish ill health because of a logo on the side of someone's helmet, then you're you're kind of a bad person, in my yeah. opinion. Right. It's about, it's about <laughs> every level of football. Like I'm from Tennessee, right? So I'm in the middle of SEC country, and college football fans are probably even worse about that, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just such intense rivalries. So like you know, I'm, a, I'm a I went to UT, so I'm a big ball. But I've so mm-hmm. obviously play like Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Like those games are just so intense and sometimes people say stuff they don't really mean and mm-hmm. you just got to remember that especially in those cases those are 18 to 22 year olds who are not really getting paid now i know there's nil and stuff now but mm-hmm. uh it's a, it's a little different than the nfl just in terms of the fact that these guys if they get injured that they may not have a career in the future um and then too like on antonio brown we have to remember he's only 33 years old like if things go well for him he still hasn't lived half of his life yet hopefully yeah and you know if he can get the help he can get now, he can go on and have a wildly successful life after football. Because, I mean, football for most people is only a tiny fraction of what they actually go on to do. So I just – I don't want to see him end up being like a junior Seau or a Vincent Jackson and mm-hmm. have an early untimely death because he didn't get the help that he needed. And obviously we're still trying to understand 
everything that goes into CTE and football-related trauma. Uh, but hopefully um, the science catches up far, far enough, fast enough to where he's able to get the help that he needs uh, to be productive and to have just a, just a good life. Because, yeah, his football career might be over, but that shouldn't be where we stop caring about Antonio Brown, the person. Because I do think that um, there's a lot of good he can still do in his life. And I'm curious to see what his next ventures are. And I think part of that is hopefully he maybe gets out of the public spotlight and is able to do that work um, off, you know, just off the uh, public eye. Yeah. Well said, man. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, transitioning from that to your original question was who do I see out of the NFC <laughs> really making a push? Um, so who who's in the playoffs right now? Well, if it ended today, right? It's the Cowboys, the Eagles, Packers, Tampa, Rams, Cardinals. Am I missing 40, 49ers. Um, it, it, 49ers lose and Saints win, then the Saints are in. Okay, so it's 49ers or Saints? Yeah. Okay, so disregard those two because I just don't see anything happening with them. Uh, no disrespect to those teams. I'm not really – I don't really trust the Cardinals, to be honest. I I remember they were when they were going on this hot start, and, again, no disrespect to any of these teams that I'm talking about right now. I'm just a stupid Bills fan, and I don't – I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be an expert, but this is just my gut reaction from a 30,000 view, 30,000-foot view. I don't really trust the Cardinals, and they started off hot, but after that, they just kind of been – up and down, up and down, and pretty kind of inconsistent, really. And I understand Kyler Murray was kind of in and out, but if your team's that good, you should be able to go at least 500 with that. And, well, it just kind of seems like they were on a losing skid for a little bit. The Rams, they traded for all these pieces. I, I when When they're playing at their highest level, they're damn near impossible to stop, but... They have too many. They have so many star, like so much star power on that team. It's like stars and scrubs. If you can kind of block those stars out just a little bit and attack the other parts, like they're just super susceptible to game plans. If you can game plan around those game wreckers, the Bucks. You guys mentioned it earlier. AB's not there, so all they have is Mike Evans, Perriman. Brady, Grayson, uh, Gronk, which, you know, in, in back in the day, if, if I just said Gronk, like that should be enough, <laughs> you know, with Tom Brady, but, you know, and they got playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny is a different cut of thread than regular season Lenny. So that's kind of, it's hard for me to say I'm going to write off Tom Brady because that just sounds ludicrous to me. <laughs> as much as I dislike him as a person, I love him as a player, or I respect him as a player, I should say. I don't love him as a player. The Packers look really good, but I don't know what it is. They haven't gone to the Super Bowl since like 2011, right? So I I don't know. Can they get over that NFC championship hump? If they can, then yeah, they'll definitely make it. And it wouldn't surprise me if they won it, unless they play the Bills, of course. <sighs> you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just you know joking around. The Eagles, it's great that you made it there. You, you, yeah, you're not, 
yeah, you're not progressing. And that's no, no shade against them, but uh could be an interesting matchup though. Yeah, Eagles, Bucks, because the Bucks defense isn't as strong this year, and the Rams mm-hmm. beat them. Even if they have the same record at the end, Rams beat them in week three. So if the Bucks are the three and the Eagles are the six, mm-hmm. Eagles have like the best rushing game in the league right now, like 160, 170 yards on the ground. Yeah. yeah, with whoever, I think that could be a fun wild card matchup to watch. But I do say I will say this: though. the Bucks have, I think, a top five rushing defense. I think it's like either second or third in the entire league. It's their passing defense that worries me. Mm-hmm. So I think the Bucks would be fine against Philadelphia. But when they put, if they had to play Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford or one of the just a really strong passing game, I think that's where they could be in some trouble just because they've had some injuries. Mm-hmm. They've had to start some veterans like a Richard Sherman back there, who's not quite his best. Um, so that would be what would worry me if I were a Buccaneers fan and your quest for a repeat. Yeah, and then the last team I didn't talk about is the Cowboys, who, yeah, when it's there, it's there. But when it's not, it's – you're kind of scratching your head like, why not is there. it not? Like, not why there. Like why? Well, like, why is this team not there? I remember I have a buddy who's a huge Eagles fan, and we were watching the opening game of them against the Bucks, and I remember them listing off their starters, and I just looked at them and I was like, on paper, this should be a – pretty good team and they they kind of are right they're 11 and 5 uh i don't know if who's the number one seed is it's the packers right they're the number one seed yeah so i i don't know if this is i it it seems like low-hanging fruit but i would pick the packers to kind of go all the way uh to the chip to championship game and the super bowl but i guess outside of that it's got to be the Cowboys or maybe the Bucks, you know, I, I don't really know. <laughs> I think you're muted, Connor. I am muted, Connor. Thank you for letting me know that. Um, my main takeaways uh, from this NFC playoff picture, um, I'm gonna fly by some of the teams that I don't really think are contenders. Um, in terms of of the Bucks, um, like Nick says a lot on this show, never doubt Tom Brady, especially in the postseason. Um, no matter what I think of Tom Brady as a player uh, and as a person, uh, you know, um, I, I definitely think that any team with Brady probably has a shot. Um, but personally, like, you know, they're starting. They, they got Godwin. Actually, no, I think he's on IR now, actually. Yeah, he's on uh, IR. Yeah. 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 So they got Mike Evans um, at wideout. They got Gronk. Um and then a bunch of Uber drivers at wide receiver. So I don't really know how well they'll do. Um, and especially with their beat up secondary, like that's really suspect. Um, so I'm, I'm really doubtful about them being able to pull off a second Super Bowl run. Uh, the Cowboys, I feel like one of their biggest weaknesses, in my opinion, is their coach. Um, as we all know, Mike McCarthy, he, he spent a lot of time in Green Bay. He did help them win a Super Bowl championship. Um, about 11 years ago um, now um, with Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. Um, but I, I've always kind of felt like he was carried by his talent. Um, and some of the main flaws of that Packers team really came into play um, in a kind of similar fashion to what's happening um, in Seattle uh, with Russell Wilson. Like with the Packers, they really put everything onto Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. And they had like a couple, a couple other, other good players. Good players. But besides that, like they, they didn't really do much because I, I don't know. Mike McCarthy's always kind of carried by his talent um, in certain games where he really needs to coach up a really good game plan, especially around like 
Super Bowl contending teams like the Cardinals, who I I also question. They always seem to fall apart within the second half of seasons, um, at least so far with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys were exposed this this past Sunday. And I, I don't know. I think it'll kind of be like another season where the Cowboys end up going to the playoffs, but they end up being either a first or second round exit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Packers, I think, are probably the strongest team uh, to at least make a Super Bowl run. Um, I, I think one of the things that was really holding them back last year was their defensive defensive performance. Um, I think it's especially improved this season. You know, even with Jared Alexander being out for most of the season, um, Razul Douglas, that was a great pickup by the Packers front office from the Cardinals practice squad. He's really shown up big um, this past half of the season. Um, and uh, their their draft pick uh, at corner um, at 29 this past season. He's he's really shown up too. Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Um, so I I honestly think if they don't have a guy like Kevin King consistently blowing coverage and allowing the opposing quarterback to throw for like three plus touchdowns, uh, I, I think the Packers have a really good chance. Uh, of course they're going to lose to the Bills, uh, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> and and they're doing it without their whole offensive line healthy. David Bakhtiari, one of the best left tackles in the league, is out for the season. Elton Jenkins, a pro bowler, out for the season. Robert Tunyon is hurt. They still find ways to win, and it looks like there's no weakness there. How could you not pick them for the Super Bowl? I think they're going to fly through the NFL playoffs easily in any Super Bowl matchup, in my opinion. I've been on the Packers train all year just because I just, it, with all the offseason controversy, I have all the attention on Aaron Rodgers this year for good and bad reasons. It just feels like a last dance. Like, it feels like I'm watching Michael Jordan circa 1998 in Chicago, <laughs> just going through just the media storm, just through everything. And it just feels like it wouldn't be right if it didn't end with the Super Bowl. Like, it just, it doesn't. Like, it would be a perfect ending to just an insane couple of months for the Packers. I mean, obviously, you know, after this year, Aaron Rodgers may be done at Green Bay. We don't know if he's going to come back. He he might. But um, it just if, it really does feel like when you see the Packers, they finally have a defense. They have two really good running backs they can use between um, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They obviously have – uh, Devontae Adams, but that's not their only option in the receiving game. And on defense, it's just it's remarkable the turnaround they've had on that side of the ball. And Carter, as long as you don't have a bonehead like Kevin King uh, getting multiple PI penalties against the Buccaneers, I don't see why the Packers shouldn't be able to defend home field in Lambeau, one of the toughest places to play in the entire league, and make it to Los Angeles. Uh, and I think, honestly, the be- the team with the best shot, I mean, obviously, instinctively, part of me would say the Bucks, but I don't even think it's the Bucks. I think it's going to be either the Rams or the Cowboys. They have the best shot at the Buc- at the Packers just because they, um, I think, are going to have the firepower to score with the Packers, uh, more so than the Bucks are going to. But ultimately... I just think Aaron Rodgers is on a different level. He consistently is making throws every single week that few others are making in this league just casually. And I just I think this is their Super Bowl to lose because I don't 
I really think the Packers are going to be a favorite over anyone they play in the AFC, and whether it's the Bills, whether it's the Titans, the Chiefs, whoever it is. Because, um, I, 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 obviously, you know, the last time the Titans played the Packers up in Lambeau last year, we got ran out of the stadium in a snowstorm. So that was not a fun game to watch whatsoever. But, um, yeah, I just I, – I'm all in on the Packers at this point. Uh, to me, I, I think it's their Super Bowl to lose. I'm going to recant my statement real quick. I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Ooh. Ooh. And the reason why I say that is because I don't have this luxury while I do my own podcast, but while you guys are talking, I get to pull up like all these stats and stuff. So I <laughs> feel kind of uh, free a little bit. I might have to <laughs> do this ahead <laughs> of time, but uh, the, the Cowboys right now, out of all the NFC playoff teams, if the playoffs are going to start right now, have a 147-point differential. That's pretty good. The Packers, 86. The next highest out besides the Cowboys are the Bucks at 134. And then higher than the, the Packers are the Rams and the Cardinals, both at 91. And I'm looking at the Green Bay Packers like wins and losses and they've won against the Lions should be a given the 49ers should be a given the Steelers mediocre no offense to them the Bengals that was an impressive one uh the Bears should be a win Washington again should have been a win uh, they won against the Cardinals off that uh, A.J. Brown miscommunication. Was I supposed to block or was I supposed to catch? Like, as you mentioned, Douglas got that ball. We don't know how that game turns out if uh, if A.J. Brown – or, I'm sorry, A.J. Green knows that he has to catch the ball and not block. <laughs> uh, the Seahawks, easy. Uh, the Rams, they beat by eight points. The Bears, again, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Vikings. So I'm not saying that they had a soft schedule, but it's definitely not as bad as it looks. Uh, I, I think that they ha- they benefited from that for sure. And just to go back to the Cardinals and Cowboys game, that definitely was a fumble that they didn't call on that last yeah. play. That was 100% a fumble, which I, I feel like they kind of got – the Cowboys kind of got robbed of that opportunity, so – a little unfortunate for them, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this Packer team is definitely – it has the playoff experience to get there and with the coaching staff and who they have on their team and the pedigree, but I don't know. I'm starting to second-guess this Packers team. I, I feel like the Cowboys have the have the makeup to do it. It just – are they going to do it or not? But I feel like there are little flaws within the Cowboys – in terms of consistency, Ezekiel Elliott is not mm-hmm. what he once was. The Cowboys did not beat the Bucks or the Cardinals, higher-tier teams. They even got almost shut out by Denver for three quarters. And then this past game, I noticed A.J. Green was running circles around Trayvon Diggs. Mm-hmm. And even though Diggs does have 11 interceptions on the season, he does have a tendency to get beat sometimes. Mm-hmm. And whether Murray overthrew that ball to Green or whether if he didn't, I know that Green had a nice game whether Murray connected on those passes or didn't, but there needs to be more consistency there for them to win the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm not on the hype train of the Cowboys. I can't be as a Giants fan. I, 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 I have to stick with the Packers. I just have to. And I think if the Cardinals meet with the Cowboys again in the playoffs, that would be another interesting and close matchup. 
Yeah, I, I will say about um, comparing the Packers to the Cowboys, I think definitely being in the NFC North has helped them quite a bit. I mean, the Vikings are like always pretty mediocre. Um, the and Bears, they split with them. Oh, yeah. That's that's even more concerning, honestly. Um, not to discredit the Vikings, though. I, I mean, like their offense on a really good day can really perform well, but their defense is trash. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I did suffer some injuries, too. Like, Daniel Hunter um, got knocked out early this season. Uh, Emerson Griffin got knocked out early this season. So, I do think injuries hurt them a ton this year. But still, I mean, you got to perform better than uh, you, than they did, even with the injuries. Well, yeah. they have to go more aggressive in uh, free agency and just focus on that defense because I think that offense is fine. Certainly build on the offensive line. But one more thing going back to what I said I brought up last week. Even though I am a Giants fan, I do think Dak Prescott is the best leader in football right now. He's able to get his team fired up before the games and the pregame chants, pregame huddles. He's a great leader, and I'm excited to see what happens moving forward. I always like seeing the NFC East be competitive, even if you know Mike Glennon's the starter of the Giants, but... You always want to see competitive football in your division, whether you guys have to deal with Mac Jones and Tua or whether the Giants have to deal with – or whether the Giants have to deal with uh, – for some reason, I'm forgetting my division. Eagles, Washington. Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. Uh, who knows if Taylor Heineke stays there, but I always enjoy competition. If it's magic. Yeah. I hope you know, he gets another year. I, I really do. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I got to disagree with you just slightly. I think the best leader of football got got out of his position a little too early this season. That's Urban Meyer, man. Man of <laughs> oh, man. Urban Meyer. that guy, number one. He can really the, put a kick in his team when they need the motivation. Yeah, hey. the Jaguars just cut part, part of ways with this man too soon. He yeah. He didn't put enough out there. I wanted to keep. I wanted them to keep him forever. It would have been two free wins for eternity. Dude, him and uh, Christian Leader and one of the greatest athletes ever, Tim Tebow, at tight end. Like they cut Come him. On. Come on, unbelievable! That was the only mistake that they made. You know, yeah, only one. Huge. Yeah, just. Uh... I think if Tim Tebow played quarterback against the Bears this past week, we could have even had a better passing performance. I agree with that too, because like I mean, obviously Tim Tebow was not a good NFL quarterback, but but that's a dude who can rally the troops, um, and get people to play for him. At least at least that's how it was in college. Because if you ever seen like how motivation it was at Florida, you know, I grew up hating the man because obviously arch rivals with the balls. You know, I, I've always respected Tim Tebow, so it was kind of sad to see him kind of get pulled back in for a stunt uh, this past year because he just he clearly did not belong <laughs> on that field, uh, even in tryouts. Uh, as a tight end yeah i definitely trust him to throw for more than negative 10 passing yards uh unlike mike glennon but on that note andrew uh we want to thank you again for coming on the pod uh for letting us punish you with all this nfl stuff for about an hour we really appreciate (laughs) it uh you killed it man um are there any last thoughts about like the bills or the nfl going into the playoffs that you you'd want to talk about maybe uh drop maybe plug your podcast or anything Sure. Well, uh, again, Nick, Leon, Connor, thank you 
so much for having me on. I'm, I'm very uh, happy that we were able to finally get this through. You and I were kind of going back and forth on Instagram, <laughs> just like trying to set it up. And finally, the stars aligned, and uh, it, it was a pleasure being on. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, my, again, taking the Bills goggles off, my overarching partway message for any fan of a team that's in this playoff uh, or that, that would be in the playoffs right now, and I already mentioned this, but it can happen. You just need – your team has proven that they're worthy to get to this point. And every team, because injuries, COVID, and other circumstances, whether that be personal issues, you know, the uh, Calvin Ridley, for example, for the Falcons, like that stuff doesn't just happen to your franchise. That stuff happens around the league and around the world. You know, like your team was able to overcome those obstacles and get to the dance. You got to be happy that you're in the dance, but are you going to go dancing or are you just going to be like that? Is this going to be like middle school dance and where you, where you're the guys <laughs> on one side and the girls on the other? Because I was for sure one of those guys that just standed like far Same. on the side, yeah. just like, yeah, don't, don't look at me. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll I'll quote one of my favorite podcasters, and that's Joe Marino of Lockdown Bills. Either your team's going to do it or they don't. And if they don't, it's not that big of a deal because 31 teams end in disappointment. It's, it's okay if your team doesn't win the Super Bowl. The fact that you got there means that your team's doing something right. So that's got to be encouraging i'm a half glass kind of full kind of person uh so i'll, I'll just leave you with that uh, i am one half of the wandering buffalo podcast i'm part of the built in buffalo network my other co-host he's uh jay gods we 22 you can find him on twitter and most social media you can find me on social media and twitter not at entree 3000 i'm not sure why that <laughs> popped up right there so a uh, little um a little joke there but uh you can find me at two chang's uh, but uh, appreciate you guys having me on, uh, and I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their night. And uh, go your teams, because I can't say go Bills then. This <laughs> go Bills, go Bills. But yeah, thanks again, man. Uh, come on whenever. Hopefully, uh, if you're at these next two games, I'll probably see you. So hopefully, we'll see you in Grass Lot. Hey, absolutely. Hey. And uh, I gotta come and tailgate with y'all at some point because it just looks like yeah. a riot. Yes, I am going to hold back the range just a little more the next time I go. <laughs> that was, uh, that was a, quite the experience, I'll say that. Thanks, man. Take care. Hey, later, later guys. guys. See ya. All right. Well, thank you once again to Andrew from the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. As like Andrew, he, he killed it. Yeah, a lot of pressure being the first ever guest on the interview podcast, and he absolutely hit it out of the park. Going to be a bar to set, a high bar to reach uh, for any future guest. But um, yeah, I guess just to close out the show here, um, I don't know if Connor, if you have some game picks you want to go over. I do. Uh, I do. All right, let's 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 do that segment first. And I kind of want to close it. Um, I kind of want to do like predictions, like predict who the final seven are going to be, uh, both the AFC and NFC, particularly between like the Raiders, Chargers, and the uh, you know the Saints, 49ers on the uh, other side, and predict who's going to win the NFC West, the AFC East, all that. But let's get into those game picks. All right. As usual, I got four 
uh, games that I'm going to be talking about. Week 18 of the NFL regular season, the last week of the regular season. These won't be as interesting considering that we kind of already know what these teams are for the most part. Some of these teams are going to be resting starters um, considering that they've either clinched playoff berths or they might be out of the playoffs, so they'll want to see uh, kind of some of the other talent that they have on the team. Uh, but anyways, I'm going to get right into it. This is going to be a really risky bet. Uh, four more opportunities to make some money. It's going to be the Indianapolis Colts versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Colts are favored by 15 and a half points and the over under is 44. Now, all right. The Colts are great and they're looking to clinch a playoff berth by winning in Jacksonville. Sounds easy, right? Jacksonville is really bad. And the team is most likely looking forward to flying to Tijuana and leaving behind the hell that was their 2021 season. One key thing to remember, though, the Colts have not won a game in Jacksonville since 2014. I don't think the Jags won this one, if I'm being realistic. But with that history and the point spread, you might as well bet the point spread on this one. Drop like 10 or 20 bucks on it. See what happens. This next matchup I'm going to be talking about Two AFC North teams that are technically still alive. The Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are favored by five and a half points and the over under is 42. Now, both of them are technically still alive and are battling out for what could be a playoff spot if the Jags win a game. Who knows if that'll happen, um, as Aaron Rodgers said on the Manning cast last night. Now, the Steelers defense was on full display last night, by the way. And while there will be more of a challenge ahead of them this Sunday, I think. They've successfully shown already that they can stifle Lamar Jackson and his playmaking ability. Now, the Steelers' offense still sucks, as we all saw last night. But hey, so does the Ravens' defense. I'll pick the Steelers to win this one here. This next matchup uh, is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns. Another AFC North matchup. The Bengals are favored by three points, and the over-under is 41. Now, the Bengals just locked up the AFC North, and there's nothing really to play for on their end, really, besides a very slight chance that they could lock up the one seed if the Chiefs and the Titans lose. Uh, now, the Browns aren't going to the playoffs, um, but they probably won't rest anyone besides Baker, and they'll fight for a victory. I don't think Brandon Allen and the Bengals' second stringers could easily win this one, so I think the Browns win. This last regular season matchup that I'm going to be talking about this season, it's going to be an NFC South matchup between the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. The Saints are favored by four and a half points, and the over-under is 40. Now, all things considered, Atlanta didn't look that bad last Sunday, even though they lost. Um, they aren't going to the playoffs because they lost, but they can prevent their division rival Saints from clinching a playoff berth. Now, the Saints lost playing the Falcons last time, but kept it close with an arguably better quarterback than Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. This could have just been a fluke game last Sunday um, in terms of that Bills and Falcons matchup, but the Falcons' deck secondary showed up big time, and they caught three picks. Um, and I think it's likely that they could continue that in this game if they decide, hey, might as well try to keep our hated division rival out of the playoffs and keep playing well and potentially be on this roster next season again. And I think for that reason, the Falcons win this one. And those are my final regular season betting matchups that I'm going to be talking about this season. I just think it's like crazy how like the Colts could still miss the playoffs if the Jaguars still find a way to win. Oh yeah. And if the Raiders beat the Chargers, 
they're in. But get but here's the thing, like you said, the Jaguars beat the Colts and whoever wins the Raiders and Chargers game, the Steelers beat the Ravens, which I think they will. Steelers are in. So I would like to see the Colts in the playoffs because I think they're the best all-around team in the league. But that statistic, it's tough because even the Jaguars in their 1-15 season last year won uh, the season opener against the Colts. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But uh, if, the, if the Colts are at home in this game, which I think they are, right, Connor? No, the Colts are in Jacksonville. I still think they could pull off the win, but uh, I'll definitely be the underdog in that spread. Maybe Lawrence has a three-touchdown game. Who knows? I mean, that'd be more touchdowns than he's thrown in the last two months if he yeah. woke up with a three-touchdown game. I just – I don't see the Jaguars. I mean, I just they just – they're a dead team right now. They they just want to get this season over with. Um the t- obviously on my end, though, the Titans-Texans here, that's the same spread, 10 and a half. This game is making me a little nervous. Obviously, the Titans lost to the Texans, and it just – it feels like this. it's not going to be – the Texans aren't just going to lay over the Titans to win the one seed, especially considering that the Chiefs win on Saturday against the Broncos, which I think they will. Um, all the pressure is going to be on Tennessee on Sunday afternoon. Um would either of you play Texans plus 10.5? Because I feel like if I were a neutral fan, I would seriously consider it. Because it just it feels like the Texans are going to throw the kitchen sink at the Titans and force them to earn that one seed. I'd, I'd definitely consider it. But the thing that would really uh, steer me away towards it is the fact that A.J. Brown will be playing in this game. Mm-hmm. From what I remember, I don't think he did. Oh, he did. he did not. Right. Um, and he really showed up big time um, in that Titans-Niners game uh, a couple weeks ago. So I, I think that he could really be an X factor. Uh, of course, the honestly, I, I think the Texans secondary might be better than it was last season. Like last season, they only caught like three picks. Yeah. This season, I, I don't know the number. This week as well. So we should actually finally have both of our star receivers on the field at once for like the fourth time this season, which yeah. is incredible. I mean, I... I, I I, I think that Julio Jones has definitely lost his juice um, from his time in Atlanta. But at the same time, like in the limited amount of time that he's spent playing as a Titan, I've seen him like make some really amazing catches. Um, so I, he could be a factor, but I think AJ Brown's definitely that X receiver for the Titans. And I think Tannehill is going to try his best to pick apart this Texan secondary and really target Brown, like yeah. no matter what. Um, and I, I think that'll, I think really, that'll help really help him quite him a bit. Quite. You know, it's so interesting how like Davis Mills has performed better than most rookie starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Besides Mac Jones and maybe Justin Fields, Mills has been better than Lawrence. I think Mills has been better than Wilson. He has this, I think, gunslinger mentality, I'd say, in my opinion. He, he doesn't mind throwing it deep, and he has connected. I think Brandon Cooks is one of the most underrated players this season in terms of how he's benefited in Houston. There are targets on that team, and I think they're going to try the Davis Mills experiment heading into next season. Yeah, and I think the best thing, if you're a Texans fan, he's only thrown 10 interceptions. Like He has more touchdowns than interceptions. But if you look at Trevor Lawrence, uh, that's not the case for him. I, I don't know, off the top of my head, but I know Lawrence has more interceptions than touchdowns. Yeah, he has 17 interceptions to only 10 touchdowns. Like, Davis Mills has more touchdown passes and less interceptions. So, Davis Mills is doing a better job moving the football and taking care of the football, which 
is encouraging because for a rookie quarterback, they're always going to throw some interceptions because they're rookies. But um, you want to at least see them be, have their flashes. And at least David Mills has having the flashes compared to Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, go throw it deep. He doesn't mind. Sorry, Connor. But uh, No, you're all good. He's throwing um, it deep, you know, so he can, he can win. Yeah, I, I remember when Davis Mills was drafted back in, like, April, uh, late April, early May, um, seeing him be the, the first Texans draft pick um, in that draft class. Um, obviously, they, they couldn't really do much considering Bill O'Brien really screwed them over. Um, but I, I, I was just kind of like, yeah, their, their QB1 probably isn't going to be there. Uh, might as well try something and see if this will work. Um, and Davis Mills, his first week, he he was efficient. Um, obviously the, the next couple weeks in relief of Tyrod Taylor, when he was on IR, he was terrible, except like that, that Patriots game where he, he played really well. Um, but ever since Tyrod was benched for Davis Mills, he's really shown a lot of flashes, you know, like Nick said, he has more touchdowns and interceptions, which we can't say about Trevor Lawrence. And we also can't say that about Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Um, so that's something, um, it's it's definitely freed them up quite a bit. Um, maybe they could like draft a a really great edge rusher or you know some other guy at a skill position with presumably I think like their their top three or top four pick in the draft. So it, it'll definitely be interesting to see which way that they'll approach this offseason and try to build this team. Um, it's also really interesting for me to see Davis Mills like do what he's doing, considering he was drafted in the third round, and a lot of people. As he was coming out of Stanford, I think he only started for like one full season. And a lot of people were kind of viewing him as not as like Deshaun Kaiser, um, but in the sense that Deshaun Kaiser like might have been better if he waited a year and, you know, continued playing college football for another year before he went into the draft. A lot of people felt the same way about Davis Mills, but Davis Mills has been proving a lot of people wrong. Um, and I'm, Really interesting in seeing how he can, you know, help be the leader of that Texans offense come next season, especially in year two for David Coley. Um, not a, exactly a highly sought after coaching prospect, uh, at least in terms of the head coaching position. Um, I, I don't know how long he'll stay in Houston, but he's shown that he can really rally the troops, I guess. And he's helped a bit in terms of Davis Mills development. I do have an interesting question where we're on the topic of offensive rookies, you know, because the debate right now for offensive rookie of the year is Mac Jones or Jamar Chase. And to me, I think we should go to Jamar Chase. He's having a historic season for a rookie, but there's going to be some people who say, well, Mac Jones has led his team to the playoffs um, as a rookie quarterback. And that deserves that award. Like if y'all, if y'all had a vote, who would you vote Chase or Jones? Personally, I mean, obviously, I am a little biased, but I, I really do think that Jamar Chase has been having a historic season. Um, you know, the I think he like just broke in that Chiefs game, uh, the single game record for a rookie in terms of um, receiving yards and possibly receiving touchdowns. Also, um, I, I mean, the way that he can really stretch the field as well as his established connection with Joe Burrow. I mean, I know a lot of people were really questioning that that draft choice. Um, last April, uh, they were really thinking that Panay Sewell would have been a better pick, even though their O line is still a bit suspect. Like, 
Jamar Chase has brought some juice to this Bengals offense. He's really turned around their offensive identity in general. He's been, like I said earlier, absolutely historic numbers for a wide receiver, especially a rookie. Um, we haven't seen something like that since like Randy Moss and also OBJ. Um, and I, th- I think soon enough, if he doesn't like mess anything up, he keeps going on this positive momentum, um, at least on the field. I think we could be talking about him in a conversation with guys like Randy Moss and OBJ and, you know, other wide receivers of that caliber. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I just can't think about, I just really can't wait till next season. I think he could break Justin Jefferson's, uh, record for receiving yards in two years. I I do think the Bengals are a Super Bowl contender next year. I think they will make it next year. I know it's bold, but I expect Burrow to go in that next step to be an MVP. I really think he could break 45 touchdowns next season. I don't think Chase is going to have any sophomore slump at all. I think he's just going to get better. And I expect them to be very successful in the draft and free agency. I mean, what's incredible to me is that we might be seeing – I saw someone – I was interested you brought up, you know, Randy Moss, uh, like a Jerry Rice. Um, the other thing about Montana Rice, they say it's probably the greatest quarterback receiver duo ever. Bruno and Chase could rival that. Like, um, if they can continue to for several years – because think about it, This goes back to LSU when they won the national title. Bruno threw 60 touchdowns. I think Chase had 20 for LSU that year. Of course, Jefferson, Justin Jefferson had like 15 as well on that just stacked LSU team. Um, the fact that, you know, they did that two years ago. They didn't play with each other last year, but then Chase comes to Cincinnati and they're able to pick back up from where they left off in Baton Rouge to do it in Cincinnati. I mean, that's special. I can't think of a quarterback receiver duo being together in college and then they come together in the NFL, I mean, obviously we've got Tua, Jalen Waddle right now, the Dolphins. But they're not performing like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are performing together. You know, because I just saw Tua and Waddle play this last week, and they only connected like three times. So, I mean, it's just – it's special. It's special. And for Bengals fans, I mean, that fan base deserves it. You know, they, they haven't won a playoff game in decades at this point. Um, it, for years, they just seemed hopeless. Like, Cincinnati was the butt of jokes. Like, oh, who cares about the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, now everyone is caring about the Cincinnati Bengals because they are going to uh, – uh, they're going to – we'll see if they can make some noise here in the postseason. All right, kind of chegwang into our Players of the Week segment to start wrapping up the show. Leon, Connor, I know – that y'all are going to talk about the players that we just kind of talked about. Uh, Leon, you want to go first? Sure. So I know someone's going to pick Joe Burrow like they did last week, so I'll take Chase. Jamar Chase, 11 catches, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. But I will give an honorable mention to Najee Harris for 188 yards and one touchdown on the ground. But, wow, Chase's performance was great. Uh, Russell uh Russell Wilson also connected with DK Metcalf for three touchdowns. So I'll give DK Metcalf another honorable mention after a tough season in Seattle. But Jamar Chase uh, might be the next best receiver in the league. So I'll hand it to you, Connor. Yeah. So it looks like Leon already spoiled my pick. Um, But I'll just go ahead and say that it's Joe Burrow again, like I picked him last week. Um, He went 30 for 39 in his passing attempts, completing about 77% of his passes. 
um, throwing for 446 yards, four touchdowns, and a 148-point passer rating. Um, yeah, obviously, his connection with Jamar Chase, like we've said earlier, cannot be understated whatsoever. But I think his chemistry with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd has like really improved this season as well. Um, you know, I'd I'd say Joe Burrow right now is kind of on the same tier as like a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert, in my opinion. Um, they're they're kind of like borderline elite. There's still like a couple games, um, or maybe like more than a couple games uh, within this season where they've like made a lot of terrible mistakes. I mean, like I I know Joe Burrow in that Bears game, he threw like three interceptions on three consecutive pass attempts and pretty much lost them that game. But you look at him these past couple weeks, he's been playing like an MVP. And I mean, of course, I don't think he'll he'll win that award this year. But I think that he could be a sneaky contender for the MVP award next season. And if he keeps improving quite a bit, I think we could start talking about him in the same realm as a guy like Patrick Mahomes or or Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, a lot of potential with just the Bengals' offense that I previously mentioned. So I'm going to kind of kind of go in a weird direction here. So for player of the week in terms of performance, I'm going to shout out two guys. Uh, Rashad Penny uh, for the Seahawks, 25 carries, 170 yards, two touchdowns. And Amon Ross St. Brown, eight catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown catch. And that shootout in Seattle, you know, obviously not a game that really matters in the grand scheme of things, but those two guys are showing out, especially Rashad Penny. You know, he's been through a lot of injuries. So to see him finally starting to break out, we'll see if that's something that can carry over into next season. And maybe, you know, it could help. Uh, Russell Wilson decided to stay in Seattle. So that's something interesting to watch with the Seattle Seahawks. And Mara St. Brown, he's having to catch passes right now from Tim Boyle. Uh, but he's still balling out. So hopefully they can get him a quarterback there to really elevate his play. Because, I mean, obviously all the attention's on Jamar Chase and for good reason. But Mara St. Brown, what he's been doing here in the last month, I mean, he's probably the second best rookie wide receiver right now. Like that's, I mean, obviously with him being on the Lions, He's not going to get that same attention, but watch out for Monroe St. Brown. He might be the next great Lions receiver. I'm not saying he's going to be Megatron, but um, I think he's going to be perhaps a stud for years to come. And the shot, even though he didn't play necessarily well, um, I got to talk about Big Ben here for a second. Ben Roethlisberger, he was 24-46, 123, a touchdown interception. Not player of the week numbers by any stretch of the imagination. Really just throwing the ball not more than five, 10 yards down the field. But, um, you know, it was emotional to watch. Uh, obviously, we sometimes crack jokes at him. It's expensive yeah. for good reason. Uh, but, hey, he is a living legend. He is a two-time Super Bowl winner. And uh, he's always going to be in the hearts of Steelers fans, as we saw last night when my friends was there at the Pittsburgh game. And she was telling me about how just uh, emotional that scene was. So, yeah. Uh, Obviously, shout out to Big Ben. You know, he'll probably play his final game this week. I don't see any way the Colts are going to lose to the Jaguars, so I seriously doubt um, he's going to play next week uh, in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, obviously for Ben Roethlisberger, it's been an amazing career, and uh, hopefully he's able to have a successful retirement and uh, keep himself out of trouble and all that because obviously we want to remember him as the long-term successful quarterback of the Steelers. Uh, he'll probably be a hall of famer. Um, you know, obviously look at the stats and stuff. I think that's important. He has a two time Super Bowl winner for one of the most historic franchises. And at his peak, he was legitimately like a top five, 10 quarterback. I don't know if he was ever the greatest quarterback at any given time, 
but he but he certainly was in uh, the conversation for top five, top ten, like in the late two thousands, early two thousand tens, because he uh, he carried that franchise for a while. In my personal opinion, just what are your reflections on the career of Ben Roethlisberger? I would say, like, you know, we grew up with Ben Roethlisberger, and we grew up with all these QBs. Last season, Breeze and Rivers retired. Roethlisberger retires this season, and after Rodgers and Brady are gone, and Fitzpatrick, of course, we're going to be moving into, uh, you know, a different uh, era of quarterbacking. We're going to see Burrow, Herbert, and Mahomes be the face of the league in all the same division, which I think is going to be awesome in, like, three to five years or even two to five years to come. So he was big. I remember watching Ben Roethlisberger when I was younger and seeing the Steelers as a powerhouse of a team. It just seems like Ben was able to find connections with every receiver that he had. It didn't matter if they were on the team for several years or if they were a free agent coming in. He was, all, he was always able to get the offense going. And Mike Tomlin, I think, compared to Bill Belichick, a statistic was shared how he has 15 straight winning seasons as a head coach or 15 straight non-losing seasons as a head coach. So what Mike Tomlin has done with Big Ben has been great and I'm I'm really wondering who are the Steelers going to get next at quarterback. A lot of people think Deshaun Watson might go to Pittsburgh, uh, Kenny Pickett possibly. So I'm very interested in seeing what happens moving forward. But I could only thank Big Ben for uh, being someone who was successful in the league and uh, somebody who I used in Madden go, uh, growing up. So, Connor, your thoughts? Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I. I'm not too fond of of Big Ben, uh, as Nick knows. Um, but I, as a player, I mean, obviously he, at his peak, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I I know some Steelers fans, and I know that he on the field at least brought a lot, them a lot of joy. Um, especially um, those two Super Bowls that he won. Uh, the first one playing the Seahawks with Bill Cowher, um, and then of course in 2009, uh, that amazing catch that ended the game playing the Cardinals. Um, you know, he was an absolute gunslinger. You know, he's his classic pump fake and then just throwing the ball like 50 yards down the field. Like, you know, you know, he he was really like one of the best um in that that last era. I I personally think of of NFL quarterbacks that are primarily pocket passers. Um of course he he was trash his last couple years, but I, I think what Pittsburgh fans will remember him by is, you know, his his gunslinger attitude on the field, um, and the the way that him and Tomlin and Cower in his first three years were able to really help bring back a, a winning franchise and reputation and culture uh, to the Steelers. Yeah, it's definitely as Leon said. It'll be very interesting to see. Where the Steelers move forward, uh, quarterback push have a lot of offseason uh, to discuss all of that. So before we wrap it up, does anyone have any final comments um, that they want to share before we wrap up episode 17 of the Interview podcast? Now, I'm, I'm not a big Ravens fan, but uh, I'm really hoping that their defense shows up uh, this this week 17 matchup. I want to see one of Big Ben's legs flying into the air in 4K. Um but also, um, on a on a lighter note, thank you again to Andrew for for coming on this podcast. I highly recommend the Wandering Buffalo podcast. Um, but then again, I I kind of doubt that there's a whole ton of Bills fans that 
listen to this show. So, you know, keep that in mind, but also like he, he just creates some great content. Of course we, you saw him chop it up with us earlier. You know, he's, he really waxed poetic. Um, not only about the bills, just about the state of the NFL in general, he made some really great points uh, and some great insight. Um, and I hope to bring him back on soon. All I could say is, uh, well, also thank you to Andrew for coming on. I appreciate him as a guest, but I'm wishing the best for Jake from against the Washington football team week 18. <laughs> Let's, I don't know why I feel an upset might come with the Giants winning. I don't know why it sounds crazy, but it's definitely possible. But uh, praying the best. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, as someone who uh, doesn't like Jake Fromm for certain reasons, I uh, am not rooting for him. But also, interesting on the Washington football team, they announced today that on Groundhog Day, they will be announcing on the Today Show their new name. You know, do y'all have like name predictions for the Washington? Uh, football team. I I'm thinking the Washington Red Tails. Yeah, the, the to honor the Tuskegee Airmen. I'm um, asking for the reasons why they went away from their old name. It just I think it would make a lot of sense. You know, being the nation's capital, you would honor a heroic group of military members. That that's just a name that I would like. What well, what do y'all think should be a good name for the new Washington team? The Washington Leaky Pipes. Uh, that that could be one. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's always Connor's always got the jokes. Uh, <laughs> dance, honestly, though, he, he wouldn't go. I, I think he would approve that. Honestly, yeah, maybe the Washington United. I think that sounds pretty cool. Oh, I I actually have a serious one. The Washington Admirals would would be a really uh, cool name. I think they already uh, claimed a domain page for like WashingtonAdmirals.com. Not that that means that it will be the name, but I I think that they were possibly considering that. I know that. I think they like released um, a list of names. They've they've crossed a couple of them out since. Um, yeah, apparently there's a Quidditch team named the Washington Admirals, so that would be a potential issue if they were to go with that name, which would be such a Dan Schneider thing to not to <laughs> check your you know check your T's, uh, check and cross your T's. Um, obviously, once again, thank you to Andrew for joining us. Um, I guess my final thing that I want to say. Uh, I think Mike Vrabel, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Titans fan, Mike Vrabel should be coach of the year, um, especially if they can close out the number one seed this week. Um, because the Titans, as I said earlier, they've played 94 different players this year due to injuries, due to COVID, due to just everything that's been ongoing. Um, the Titans are a vastly different team than uh, they went to be in the year. But, you know, I saw them in person this past week, and I'll say this if you've never been to an NFL game, absolutely go. Um, you'll just be in awe of the pure talent that's on the field, you know, because obviously I've been to a ton of college football, but the speed difference between the NFL and college is just vastly different. Um, the, the thing that stood out to me is when the when they're throwing, like Tua and Ryan Tannehill, and they're throwing the ball, the windows they have are so much tighter than they are in college. Like, you have to have the accuracy. You have to have the speed um, just in awe of watching those athletes. I can't wait, wait to go to more games but for the titans just the way they're able to use all these guys who weren't on the roster to begin the year especially guys like deontay foreman and dontrell hilliard uh just speaks wonders to how mike were able to keep this group together because the season could have fallen apart completely when derrick henry got injured after the colts game on halloween because uh, i thought the season was over at that point like there's no way the titans are going to be successful long term without derrick henry um 
but they've put themselves in this position. Um, and obviously they needed a little bit of help to do it. But despite losses to the Jets and the Texans, um, they have a chance here to really give themselves a chance. Because I think if they're going to have any shot of making it to L.A., uh, they got to have that one seed, have the extra week, because then you bring the king back and anything can happen. And as Andrew said, if you're in, anything can happen. I, I really do think that any team, um, even I know we said you're like the Saints, the 49ers, um, obviously, I think the Saints are going to make it just because I think the Rams are going to beat the Niners. But, um, you know, any team that makes it in, I, I think there's a, even a remote chance that you make it in because this is just the wildest season. Obviously, COVID could happen. I mean, we know what's going on with Omicron right now. Um, it's going to be a very interesting end to the season. And I, I just hope that we get to see teams at full strength going at it for a chance to win the Lombardi Trophy. But with that being said, that's a wrap. Wait, wait, Nick. I'm glad we're in agreement that we think uh, Dan Campbell should be coach of the year. <laughs> I, I love his energy, by the way. I would love to play for him if I were a football player. I'd run through a brick wall for that dude, man. Yeah, that guy is awesome. And what he's been able to do. Lions, Lions actually lost a bunch of close games that they came back in. Like the Ravens one was just unlucky with the Justin Tucker field goal, but. Watch out for next season, what they do with the personnel at quarterback or in the next couple seasons. Like, that guy is awesome. Forget about any of the other coaches, Dan Campbell, in my opinion, coach of the year. Yeah, I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, Don uh, Coley for the. Oh, David uh, Coley? Coley? David Coley for the Texans, I think, should be on that list. I know they're only 4 and 12, but I thought they had a shot to go winless this year. Like, they have played a lot better than I thought they would. Davis Mills is coming along further than I. Than a lot of us expected him to. So, yeah, shout out to those two coaches. Obviously, I don't think they're going to fire this year. Um, we'll see if they have a chance long to build their teams up for a couple of years because you don't usually get time in the NFL. But out for those two franchises, I don't know if you really have any better options in the coming year. So maybe you just have to ride the ship for a while. And at least those two teams are having those – our two coaches are having their teams be competitive. But Side note. Um, regarding the Washington football team name. I was scrolling on Twitter, um, and I found that uh, a patent was filed on the 29th of December for the Washington Groundhogs. Um, their primary colors are the Washington football team colors, uh, like red, yellow, white, and black. I have no clue who filed the patent. Um, it was filed under wildcard sports, um, but that could potentially be the new Washington football team name, especially considering that's being announced on Groundhog Day. So something to yeah, think about. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, they're always a middle of the pack team that has a chance to make the playoffs, but they had a couple of good moments this year. I guess Taylor Heineke got his revenge game against Tom Brady and proved that he could be a low-end starter, a high-tier backup in the league, as I forgot which one of you said it, but they have some pieces on that team and uh, – if Chase Young was completely healthy for the whole season, who knows what would have happened, but that's pretty much it for me. Just uh, read into it more. I found out it's a podcast media company, so sorry. That, that wasn't very good. That would make sense. I feel like if any team's going to do the Groundhogs, it would be someone in Pennsylvania, just because that's where Perks Otani is. Um, obviously, that's where the Bill Murray movie is set. It's probably one of my top ten movies of all time. But, uh, anyway, that's a whole, this is not a film podcast. But, uh, anyway... With that being said, thank you once again for listening to the interview podcast. This was episode 17. We will see you next week for episode 18, where we recap 
the regular season because it will be over by then. We're going to preview the playoffs, wild card weekend, all six matchups. Of course, it'll be Saturday, Sunday, and Monday of next weekend. Um, so, yeah, we are getting ready for the most important time of the year. So stay tuned for all of our content. We've got TikToks, we've got Instagram, and we have these live podcasts every Tuesday night. We're going to try to do them around 8 p.m., uh, 8, 9 p.m. Just obviously just subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit that notification button so that you know when we are going to go live. For Connor Kennedy, for Leon Terion, and for our special guest, Andrew, from the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, make sure to go check them out, especially if you are a Buffalo Bills fan, but even the... As a Titans fan, I'm going to try to go and check them out myself. I'm Nicholas Hill, and thank you once again for listening to the Interview Podcast. Take care, everyone. Um, stay healthy, and enjoy the start to your 2022.